Welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name is Matt Boisclair and we are here this evening to answer all the big questions like how many defensive players can one football team crown onto the pitch in one go and who is the more rusty, the Fulham first team squad or the Fulham Focus pod team? But chiefly to discuss the magnificent West London derby win that keeps the Whites in the promotion hunt. Joining me to have a look back is Stella Artois' best mate Will Oakley and Eastbourne's king of innuendo and Hugh Janus' best mate Matt Dong. <laughs> Fulham. Good evening, chaps. All right, mate. How are you doing? How are you doing? All right. We all good? All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. At least we're actually here to talk about a win tonight. So I feel like I picked the right one out the out the three games to do. So let's let's get right into it. We'll quickly talk about the lineup. So after his stinker of performance against Leeds and pretty poor performance against Brentford as well, Joe Bryan was left out of the starting lineup. Dennis Adoy switched to left back and Cyrus Christie came in at right back. Don't think there'll be too many complaints about this change. What do you reckon, Will? No, I think it needed to happen. I think uh, I was talking to a friend and they said it's probably a bit unfair to leave Brian out but leave Arta in the team, which I get that point. I, I think both of them should have been dropped, but Brian hasn't been playing well the last few games. So it's only right that you give Christie a chance. And, and I thought Christie was great today. Yeah, I don't think too many will disagree with you, especially after uh, how much influence he had on the game. Uh, but obviously, we'll come on to that. Matt, Ivan Cavallero came into the starting lineup for Mitro after his utter stupidity at Leeds on Saturday. And of course, Bobby Decodover Reed played up front. I barely noticed Bobby Reed was playing, to be honest. Yeah, it's not his position, is it? You can see how short he was compared to their centre-backs. And we, we kind of insisted in playing the same sort of balls that we would play Dimitro to him. And and we're not, you know, I don't think he won a single header, which that's not what he's there for. But there was some movement. He was sort of left and right and Cavallari was switching around quite a lot as well. So um, we didn't look too bad. I think we should probably stick with, with that front three, actually. Weirdly, obviously we were without Mitro in the last QPR game as well. Uh, went down... 1-0 early to a Jordan Hugo goal and then equalised kind of halfway through the first half and then got a winner in the second. We've done the double over them. Yeah, so it's good to see. Good to see a win, I think, and good to see some more, well, some goals again, really. <laughs> I think that's what we're all looking forward to today. It's funny how these things work out, isn't it? Because if I was a QPR fan before this game and the last game, I'd be thinking, brilliant, Fulham haven't got Mitrovic playing, we've got a chance here. And even without him, we've, we've still done them. So it's, it's always nice to get one over on them, particularly um, after after the shit show against Brentford the other day. But as you said, we were a goal down very early on this time. What was it? Less than a minute on the clock before any of us had really had a chance to take a seat on the sofa to, to watch the game. Will, do you think anyone in particular was at fault here or was it just blame a lot of the fuckers? Oh, I think just blame all of them, to be honest. I, I literally just had it on, I think, probably three seconds before they scored or something like that. Uh, it's just we're just all over the place, really. I mean, when when that went in, I was like, well, "Why have I even bothered trying to get it sorted out?" Because we've conceded in fifty seconds. But no, I, I just think we were just a bit all over the place. I don't think you can single out one person. It just just happened, and it's unfortunate, I guess. One of those things again, though, isn't it? Where you know we we spend the last couple of games talking about the goals we've conceded down our left side, and then. Less than a minute into this one, we change our left back and we we can see the goal from the right back. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I was I was sort of I was settling into my sofa a bit. I didn't quite realize. I didn't quite notice why. Did anyone see why um, Christy and Hector were kind of 
in their each other's position because I, I saw the replay and Hector sort of starts going towards the ball but and in right back but then he, he kind of gets gets stuck coming back into the box and then yeah they it goes over both of them and then Reem as we know is not the tallest centre back and gets beaten in the air but yeah I think <laughs> same as all of us really they hadn't players hadn't really got going yet well the next few minutes kind of there, there was a bit of play in the middle of the field and there were one or two chances um at either end but then Harrison Reed hit the inside of the post with a with a volley from the edge of the box and if if anyone deserves a goal after the way he's played since the restart then it would definitely be Harrison Reed I'm sure everybody would uh, would agree with that but then a few moments later Harry Arthur of all people smashed home the equalizer 21 minutes gone. Their keeper probably should have done a bit better, but he's he's curled one and it's, it's bounced under the keeper's hand and into the bottom corner, Will. Yeah, I, I think you're right about the keeper should have done better. QPR fans probably think of themselves a bit unfortunate at that, but when I did watch it on the replay, it showed it a few times later on in the game. It was actually quite a powerful shot from Harry Arter and pretty much every Fulham fan has been slating him for the since the football's restarted and even before that. I, I was never really a big fan of him, but Although the keeper should have done better, I think it's still a good finish and you know, good good for him. Get the goal and it's probably silenced quite a few of us who have been slating him. Yeah, I think I could count myself in, in that camp as well, definitely. I, I just find him so easy to dislike. It's just something about him. But if he's banging in the goals, then good. It, I, I could warm to him quite easily if he if he pinged in a couple more of them. About 10 minutes to go before the break. QPR missed a great chance uh, on the counter-attack. Luke Amos put one over the crossbar from around about the penalty spot that was pulled back to him. He had plenty of time and plenty of space, but it still couldn't hit the target. And as we were talking about it as, as we were watching the game, and I think it might have been you that said it actually, Dom, but um, since the restart, we have looked pretty susceptible on the break. And Did we look this bad before the restart, though? Have we always been quite susceptible on the counter-attack? I think we have, but it just it seems to be ramped up in the last three games. We discussed this on on the pod a few days ago after we lost to Leeds, and it was all of their chances. Certainly, their second and third goal came from us being caught out on the break. And if that chance had fallen to them today, it probably would have gone in, or a different player it might have gone in. But it's worrying. It's, it's worrying that we don't seem to track the runners from midfield, and then we seem to have all our defense defenders seem to be kind of six yards out desperately trying to chase the uh, block the shot but yeah the position seems all wrong and I, I'm, it's a bit of a concern because a better team than QPR probably would have scored a couple of goals today a couple more goals is it just rustiness though or have, have we always been pretty poor defensively I guess yeah. as, as those words are coming out of my mouth I seem to recall talking about this in the past yeah. about how bad we've been defensively yeah, I mean, it can't just be rustiness because, uh, you know, the other teams have been out of action just as long as we have. And all three of them are creating that kind of chance against us. So, I don't know. It is a weakness. It's always been a weakness for us, a defence. But I just don't understand how it keeps happening because we're not exactly bombing both fullbacks forward. We're not exactly getting five players in the box. Yet somehow, when they come back at us, we're all out of position. It's, it's weird. And I, I can't really quite put my finger on what's happening. Obviously, Harry Arter did score in that game, so so that's great. But when I, in the first kind of, I think, probably 10 minutes, Harry Arter was playing further forward than Tom Kearney, which for me is a bit of a problem because I think we just lost the ball too much. I, I don't think it's necessarily the defence. Obviously, like you're saying, they are on the back foot, probably too close to goal, not organised properly. But I think a lot of it is because we're losing the ball too easily further up the pitch. And because we're a possession-based teams, teams do tend to counter us, which we've seen mm-hmm. a lot. 
and, and I think that's the problem. I think it's more the midfield and the attack that are making us kind of more vulnerable on the counter because Kenny should be the one pushing forward because Harry Otter is a better defender than him. And I expected Otter to be back, but he's playing on the edge of the box whilst Kenny's playing a bit further deeper, which doesn't really work. So I think that's probably some of the reason why. Why has Tom Kearney stock fallen so much, though? Because a couple of seasons ago, when we when we got promotion, he was arguably one of the best attacking midfielders in the championship. But he just doesn't seem to influence games like he used to. I guess the first thing is he was the creator. On you know when we played played with uh, Slav as our manager, he he was the number ten. He was it was all happening around him. The, mo- the players are moving around him. And there was a lot of movement. There was a lot of forward runs, and and we were just more attacking, and that suits him better. And he's playing kind of in the two in the midfield really which is really strange it was it was Bobby Reed last last game who was playing in front of him and it was Arta today and it it wasn't just in the first half it was all game you know towards the end before they came off you could see Arta was still the one creating from from the hole and it, it just weird because as as Will said his passing is a bit rash and that's not what we need in that position it, it's strange I can't quite work out what's happened to Tom Kearney but he started the season brilliantly playing in that position you know scoring goals from the edge of the box that's what he's for that's what he does and so why would we move him back well yeah you're right he scored that goal against Blackburn at the start of the season and there were there were a few a couple against Reading and then even um just before we went into lockdown and the season was put on hold he scored that that equaliser late at Bristol City as well didn't he so he, he can hit good shots and score goals from distance but it would just be nicer to just see more consistency from him through throughout each game and you know you just you see moments where, where you think ah there he is that's that's what we've been missing but it's just too few and far between isn't it I think we made a, a solid start to the second half uh, at QPR this evening Knockart brought a good save out of the goalkeeper just after half time they had a good chance when Todd Kane volleyed one over the crossbar but there was a, a lot of caginess probably between the two sides I'd say before one team just you know stepped up and tried to win it with 20 minutes left, Josh Onema came on for Harry Arter and then Joe Bryan came on for Anthony Knockhart. Very difficult to see where either, either of them were playing when they came on. I thought, oh, Joe Bryan, maybe he's going to play on the left wing, but didn't. Then Josh Onema was almost playing as a, as a centre forward at times. He was he was just playing so far forward. But it was Josh Onema who teed up Cyrus Christie in the 75th minute to put us ahead. Uh, Will, talk us through the strike. It's a great finish, isn't it? Better than Arter's, uh, and it's just a cross goal. Again, you could probably make a case that the keeper should be in a better position, but that's just a great finish. He's hit it with so much power, and that's something from Christie that we don't see that often, the the confidence in himself, because that's something that annoys me. I, I remember kind of in the Prem season, and when he does get a chance, he doesn't have confidence in himself. I think he's one of the quickest players on the pitch, but he doesn't have confidence in himself to run forward and he's good he he plays good crosses and he doesn't have confidence to to go for that and today he showed confidence in going for that shot and it really paid off for him and on the note of Onomar I I think when he came on like you're saying it was a bit of a weird position for him to be playing but I thought he looked quite good to be honest and I wouldn't be surprised if he takes Arta's place or well that's what I'd like to see but who knows I thought Josh Onema was having a really good season uh, up until when he got injured. He started slowly, but then from kind of that Leeds game when he scored, he was almost uh, a real kind of driving force from our midfield. I, I, I thought he was starting to look excellent. And just to come in on your point of Cyrus Christie as well, it's, it's nice to see him get a goal because 
we were very, very critical of him on this show last season, particularly games I can remember away at Everton when he was just all over the place. And do you remember that Arsenal game as well when he was up on the halfway line when he should have been playing right back and they, they were attacking us. And even the Republic of Ireland manager at the time said, well, that's what he was told to do. But I'm not so sure about that. If you're trying to cover up for him all you want, but that was poor. But tonight, excellent. And uh, I think it'd be very difficult now for Joe Bryan to come back in at left back because Dennis Adoy looked all right at left back. And you're not going to leave Cyrus Christie out after that either. What do you reckon, Matt? I agree. I think I think Christie is our best right back. I think he should have been playing a lot more this season. Uh, certainly in this league, he's he's strong because he's he's quick and he's decent going forward, but also he's solid defensively. Really, I, I think he's he's good at this level. Adoy is a different kind of left back, obviously, because he's he's much more defensive. But I think we saw today that that suits us better playing the way we do. And I, I think certainly down the left. They didn't create a lot at all. And we've got to realise that it was QPR and not Leeds. So it might have been different. The, the changes that Scott made to start in lineup, I think were good. Certainly bringing in Adoy. And I think realising that Brian hasn't been on it and, and dropping him was a good call. And it proved to be a good call because I think we looked a lot more solid. You can say what you want about Scott Parker, can't you? But he's never been afraid to tinker with the starting lineup and make changes where changes were necessary. And testament to that is the fact that we've had very few back-to-back games where he's kept the same lineup on the one hand that is you do like to see certainly in defense you like to see a solid back five you know I, I think when, when you realize who your best defense is you, you play it but I think before before lockdown we would most of us would have said Brian would have been our best left back and and now it turns out <laughs> certainly at the moment he's not so to see to see Adoy there I think is, is a good call he did come in for criticism, though, didn't he? But it was more for the fact that he was being used as an attacking fullback and was leaving a big hole behind him all the time. Um, but anyway, that subject's been done to death. And I was thinking this the other day, I, I wouldn't be averse to seeing Joe Bryan playing almost in the, the Anthony Knockhart role, you know, on that kind of left of a, of a front three, just because he used to play left wing and, and he would actually put crosses into the box for Mitrovic as well, which none of the others, as we well know, do not. I think you're right on that, really. I think Brian would work really well in like a, a Slav system, the way that Target was allowed to push forwards. I, yeah. I think that's what Brian would be good at, but Parker just doesn't play like that. And I think that's, I think Parker wants him to be like that, but in his system, it just doesn't doesn't work for him. No, it's almost a bit too rigid, isn't it? Yeah, he's left with too much to do defensively, and that's not what he's good at. It, which, which is bad if you're playing a back four. Really, you want all of your defenders to be able to to defend I don't think he's got enough pace or he's good enough at taking players on to actually play as a winger so it's it's difficult I think his best position would be as a wing back but um that's not the way we play so he's sort of much like Bobby Reed. I'm not sure he entirely fits this squad that's a different topic altogether isn't it that's that's the classic of Scott Parker's job potentially being at risk if we don't win tonight but really you you have to look at the people who are signing the players we know Tony Khan um, and saying to the manager, right, here's a load of players that don't really fit together, go and get promoted or you're sacked. And that's kind of what Scott Parker's been up against all season, isn't it? Because he's we've got an abundance of defensive midfielders um, and we're trying to shoehorn them all into a team. We've got the best striker in the league, without doubt, in Mitrovic. And we play a system with with a couple of, couple of forwards either side of him who are very selfish. They don't look to pick him out and they always shoot quite waywardly. And then we wonder why we're not winning games and we're not dominating teams. And I'm sorry, but you could have the best manager in the world in charge of a team. But if you've got an imbalanced squad, then it's just not going to work ever. 
So Bobby Reed went off with 12 minutes left and was replaced by Maxime Lamarchand. And we went to five at the back. It's a classic Scott Parker. Try and protect the lead when, when you've got ahead. And we, we seem to be playing absolutely nobody up front at the end of the game. In spite of that, though, and in spite of the amount of players that we have back defending, QPR still managed to hit the bar from, from a corner. Proper hearts in mouse time, particularly when uh, when the fourth official indicates there's going to be six minutes of added time. Gentleman Jim pointed out, or maybe it was Jamie Reid, I can't remember, one of them pointed out that was probably to do with the drinks breaks as well. So we are going to see more added time at the end of games. But bloody hell, just blow the whistle, will you? <laughs> yeah, I, I, didn't, I wasn't too keen on that that change from Parker because I don't think we were un, under much pressure before that, that, that sort of move. I think it's quite good if the opposition is starting to get the better of you and then you, you make a change and change it up a bit, add another, another defender in there, but we were doing all right. We certainly weren't conceding a lot of chances and then he does that. And all of a sudden, you know, they've hit the bar. And I think after that point, we looked a bit panicky and I, I would have changed, I would have left it as it was. Uh, I wouldn't have kept throwing on defenders, which is just what happened by the end. I'm going to bring Will in here now, and um, I'm going to see if he can make some sense of this. So there was another change in injury time where Kearney went off for Stephen Sessegnon and Cavallero went off for McDonald. Will, fancy talking me through that formation that we were playing in the last couple of minutes? I'd be impressed if anyone can talk <laughs> you through that formation because that that's ridiculous. Although... We've won the game, although I think I agree with what Matt said, that the fact that we were just inviting pressure on ourselves with the first lot of subs and then bringing on Stephen Sessegnon and McDonald, I, I like both of them, but don't bring them on for forwards and midfielders when, when you're kind of doing all right. Because I think it's not just bringing on defenders that gives you solidarity. It's a formation, which we just didn't have. But like I said, we won the game and we weren't aiming to score goals, so... That's what matters, I suppose. It'd be far better, surely, if we just brought on some players who could keep the ball, but do it in QPR's half instead of just saying, right, we're all going to wait in front of the goal here and you keep shooting and see if you can yeah. get it in. That's <laughs> what it let's felt like. A, let's, let's play Tetris and see if we can fit yeah. us all, all, all in the, on the goal line. I think if, there was, <laughs> if you were allowed to play two keepers, I think Scott Park would have brought one yeah. on as well. <laughs> But, um, yeah. I don't know if we had one on the bench, actually, but uh, Betts was on the bench, wasn't he? But yeah, it's a funny one. You're right. You either bring on a player who can hold the ball up and then win fouls and free kicks and start frustrating them, or you bring on at least an attacking player or a couple of attacking players. I know Kamara wasn't on the bench, but you can then counter them. You know, Yeah, exactly. You're right. It, it, as it is, you're just going to get the ball keep coming into the box, head it away, they're going to hit the bar, whatever's going to happen. But eventually they're going to score, however many defenders we've got on the pitch. Luckily they ran out of time. But yeah, he does that all the time. He's done that all season. And just for once, I'd like to see us try and score the third goal. Yeah, would be nice. We haven't won by more than two goals, have we? Twice this season or something? I don't know. Not very much, not very often. Wasn't this something that Baldwin was saying earlier in the season? And we said, actually, no, that has happened. And he said it had only happened once or twice, and we worked out that it had happened a few times. Oh, it was actually quite a few times. Right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. that might be where I'm hearing it from. I don't don't learn your facts from uh, Matt Baldwin, everyone. Definitely not. Don't learn anything from Matt Baldwin. <laughs> that's a solid, solid advice. <laughs> Go on, Matt. Give me your Parker rating for tonight's win. Um... After we just caned him for 
chucking on yeah. a load of defensive players. It feels a bit harsh. I think six because yeah. we got the win. It can't be. It can't be less than six for getting a win. My main issue, and it, it's partly the players, but partly Parker, is that I don't think we create enough good chances i was saying this in our in our whatsapp group chat and i don't think everyone agrees but if we're relying on two goals from 20 25 yards every game they're not always going to go in on another day the keeper saves Arta's effort another day christie's shot goes into rosette and then we've lost one nil i want to see us create some more chances like cutbacks from the box that the couple of chances they had were really good today and i think there's still work to be done with our attacking movement and that kind of thing. So I, I want to see improvement in that area before I start giving him better ratings, I think. You say that, but I, I don't know what everybody gave Parker after the Brentford game. I can't remember, but I thought we created some bloody good chances in that Brentford game. And you talk about on another day. Well, Mitrovic could have yeah. had a hat trick on that, yeah, that game few, on another day. Headers, we beat yeah. But then Brentford, yeah. now Brentford have won three in a row. They won 3-0 at Reading tonight and they're absolutely flying. And you're thinking, mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if they didn't nick one of these automatic positions now. Yeah. Definitely. West Brom must be absolutely cacking themselves. Yeah, I think so. I think I, I would be if I was West Brom. All right, Will, come on then. What's your Parker racing? I think I'll agree and I'll go for a six as well. I think it's hard to give him anything lower, like you say, for a win. Uh, I think it would be probably unfair because we didn't play badly. Um, I think you're right. Obviously, in the moment, they're good goals. It's great, but we didn't really create enough good chances. And, and if that was... I think either a Brentford or a Leeds, we would have lost it again. It's just quite lucky that QPR didn't take their chances because they, they did have quite a few good chances and the subs were a bit all over the place. And the one thing that still annoys me a bit is that there was still no striker on the bench. And I don't know whether it's because... I know Kamara's been out for, with some sort of injury. We don't really know, but... Also, no Stansfield. There's no. We signed like Taylor Crossdale from Chelsea, and instead we've got a bunch of wingers and midfielders on the bench. So I think just one striker, especially now we've got extended benches, it would be nice to see at least one. I'm going to go one better and say give Parker a seven. Reason behind that is that Parker was up against it. Couple of defeats after such a long time. The pressure's really on. People are talking about is his job safe. We go a goal down after one minute and he, he keeps calm and, and we turn it around and we win the game. And credit where credit's due. He's done this before as well, where, you know, people are really getting at him and we've, we've had a couple of crap results and, um, and he's turned it around and we've, we've got to win an important game. And we're back in the mix now. And, you know, you're starting to think at one nil down, well, three defeats on, in a row, we could just be free falling here straight out of the playoffs. But I think we're back in it. Uh, possibly not for automatic. Uh, maybe we're not good enough, having seen us play three times now, but I, I still think we're a good shout for the playoffs. That's the QPR game then. We will be back after this with a Birmingham preview. Fulham. All right, lads, on Saturday, it's back to the cottage for the match with Birmingham, who are at home to Huddersfield on Wednesday night. They restarted their season with a credible draw at West Brom a couple of weeks back and then hit back in the game on Saturday twice to draw three all with Hull City at St Andrews. There's still a chance they could go down, so I'd expect them to be up for it. Dom, how do you see it going? I think we've got a win. I think we've really got a win. Tonight's result will give a bit of a boost, because as you say, we, it could have been a defeat and free fall, and then anything can happen. But I know, I know automatic promotions looks unlikely, but I'd like to think the players, while they're still mathematically can do it, you know, uh, while it's still possible, anything can happen. 
I'd like to see him come out firing and get a couple of goals in the first half and see it comfortably. I, I think we, if we're serious about even winning the playoffs, we've got to win these games at home. Yeah, I think we can do. But again, like I've said, I don't know if it was the best performance against QPR. And Birmingham are kind of one of them bogey teams for Fulham. I went to um, Birmingham away on the season that we could have got second and it was just terrible. But again, whether that's just kind of the moment, the fact that if we won that, we would have gone up, whether it's the pressure. I I think we can definitely do one over them. But the fact that they beat West Brom or drew to West Brom even does kind of give me a bit of nerves. But I think we'll get the win. It's going to be a hard game though. They're a good side. And is there anything you change in terms of personnel? So who who would you start with? Obviously, Mitrovic is still going to be missing for that game and then for Forrest as well. Would you change anybody else, though? I think Onoma should come in and I think the front three should stay the same. But to be honest, I wouldn't be upset if Brian came in for knockout and Brian did play as more of a winger. And then if Cavs on the right, hopefully, because he's right-footed, he'll play some more crosses in. Even though we don't have Mitrovic, at least we're going to be getting it in the box if that does happen but yeah I I think Arta for Onoma is the main one for me and keep Christie definitely yeah I think Christie will play now I was just going to say this would never happen but what about if we switch to 4-4-2 the classic 4-4-2 because there's all this pissing around with formations these days and 5-2-3-1 or whatever it is and all sorts of messing about but if you went 4-4-2 and played Joe Bryan as an out-and-out winger and Cavalero as an out-and-out winger on the right and then had Mitrovic and Bobby Reid, the classic big man, little man up front, could that work one day? Or is that I, just I too old-fashioned now? I think I'd be worried about Bobby Reid up front with Mitrovic, to be honest. But, I mean, it's never, like you say, it's not going to happen. I'd love to see that with Kenny and probably Onoma in midfield or something, Kenny and Harrison Reid in midfield. That would be good, but yes, not going to happen, unfortunately. Just, just an idea, but you know, it's good to good yeah. to talk about these things sometimes. What do you reckon, Dom? Four four two. I think when Mitra's back, four four two would be the best. We'd get the best out of Bobby Reed that way. But is it worth changing things up so much just to incorporate one player into the into the lineup? You know, I'm not never sure it, it is. You'd never do it at this stage of the season, anyway. But exactly. But, but also, you're you're. You've got Kenny, then he wouldn't be able to play in the two, and it's whatever, whatever way you look at it. There's always players who don't quite fit, which is kind of annoying. We've got such specialist players, it seems, and I think that's a bit of a problem. Is Kenny even worth a place in the team at the moment, though? Is he is he doing anything to warrant a place in that team? Not for me, no. I think previously when it was Kenny or Bobby Reed as the number ten, I'd have given Reed the, the chance to see what he could do. But they're both playing, and now it's forcing Kenny back, and I don't think he's any good there. I'd much prefer to see Steph Johansson in, in, in his place, or Onoma even, because he seems to be a bit more direct with his passing. Uh, Steph Johansson certainly is. And, yeah, I just think Kenny's not doing enough. He's a passenger at the moment. What would you do? Would you would you make any changes to the team from the, from the, the, one, the starting lineup from this evening, or would you leave it as is? It's tricky. Uh, do we have any other options up front apart from Bobby Reid now? I assume Cabano will be back. It must so have, no. only have been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'd leave it, because, but I think because we're so lacking in options up there, that that's the best we can go with. Um, I think they were okay. 
the back four were okay. When <laughs> we've discussed Archer, I'm not a big fan of him, but he scored, so I think it would be harsh to drop him now. He played all right. He Parker's yeah. come across stumbled across something by with Mitro being out has to mix it up a bit. Who knows? But I wouldn't go I wouldn't start putting Brian up front now. <laughs> Not Brian up front in a front two in a four four two. Back to the previous <laughs> yeah. conversation where we were talking about potentially putting him putting him on the left of a three. Yeah, that one. Yeah, left yeah. of a three. No, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to a score prediction then. Short and sweet tonight with the with the Birmingham Birmingham prediction. But Will, what do you reckon? What's the score going to be? I think probably two one. I don't think it will be a, a smash in, and I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet the way the defence are playing. So, so I think another two one. Yeah, I can't see a um, a clean sheet either. But yeah, I'd, I'd go with another two one. That would do me. What about you, Dom? Yeah, I, I can see a clean sheet this time. I saw enough from that back four today that that, that they could potentially keep Birmingham out. Let's go with two 0 Small nice. steps, but I just about saw enough improvement to to think there's there's still a chance this season. And what about this for a prediction then? So a 2-0 with five minutes to go. How many defensive players will we have on the pitch? <laughs> <laughs> we can bring five on at once as well, can't we? No? I don't yeah, know. exactly. Yeah. I can't remember, yeah. but uh, yeah, eight. Let's go with eight. That was ridiculous. <laughs> do, you, do you remember a few a few years ago when Stuart Pearce was manager of, uh, of Man City? And he put, uh, I think it was the last game of the season when Man City were playing Middlesbrough and, and, um, and Man City could qualify for Europe. This is before, you know, they, they had all the money. Um, and Stuart Pearce brought David James on up front. Yeah. <laughs> he had, he had the, the blue shirt with number one James on the back and they just stuck him up front to try and be a nuisance. And he was just it, crap. Because he had, he had, a, he had a, an outfield kit, didn't he? Yeah, which just... With, with what happened? How did that happen? Where did that come from? It must have been predetermined. Like, we're going to bring him on at some point. Stick David James on up front. It's just ridiculous. It's like he the did sort it right, thing. didn't he? He, oh, won a few headers, he might, have won, a, might have won a few headers. Uh, why did I bring that up? Well, yeah, that, the point was, if um, if we're doing all right, then maybe a goalkeeper could be considered to be a defensive player. So chuck him on at the back as well. Why not? Yeah. Well, I think Betts could win, win more headers than Bobby Reid, so maybe it's worth... That's true. That's true. If we need yeah. goal. <laughs> Just start. <sighs> so let me, go, let me go back to my original question that I did in the, uh, in the intro to this podcast. Who's more rusty, the first team or the, uh, the Fulham pod team? I think it's definitely the Fulham pod team. We're talking about 4-4-2 and, and sticking Marcus Bettinelli on up front if we're winning. <laughs> Why not? Why not? All right, lads, let's call it a day, I think. Thanks for joining me. I expect there'll be a reaction podcast after the Birmingham game at some point. So if you fancy listening to it, then make sure you're subscribed to us or keep your eyes peeled on all the usual social media outlets after the game. In the meantime, stay safe and see you soon. Cheers. Hey!